Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Thinking Project. Before I uh, go too far into this, though, I wanted to give a shout out to everybody who's following me, of course. And if you're listening to this for the first time, go check me out on Instagram at Dalton K. Jensen. Uh, Check out my YouTube channel, The Thinking Project Pod. Uh, That's where A Bone to Pick is being featured right now. Um, Hopefully, we're going to come out with some audio versions of that so you guys can check it out if you don't want to watch it on YouTube. But uh, for now, it's all on YouTube, Dalton K. Jensen and uh, The Thinking Project on YouTube. So uh, today, I had an amazing guest on my podcast, Aaron Hall, who is an author, a local author here in Utah. Um, You can buy his books on Amazon. I'll link all of this in the description. You can visit his website. His website is AaronHall.com. And check him out on Facebook, Aaron Hall, uh, and on Instagram. We had an amazing conversation about his uh, choice to not go through the traditional publishing route and also what it's like to just write a book in these days and, uh, uh, and how you get better and better. So check this out. Make sure uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, you drop a rate and review, uh, follow the Facebook group, and uh, check this out on DaltonKJensen.com. Without further ado, Aaron Hall. Welcome, everybody. This is Dalton Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. Tell me a little bit about, like, what you got going on, man. Um, well, I am a self-published author. I, my third book, Purge, just got released a couple of months ago. Um, oh, wow. Seven years after the uh, the release of its its um, first book, Foreordained, it's a Part of a part of a part of a book series called the Webleyan Chronicles, and um, it's been a labor of love. I was able to complete it while I was uh, quarantined, I guess, like uh, during during the pandemic, and not a lot was going on in the world. So, uh, yeah, it just uh, it was a great time to kind of like finish up work and get the next book knocked out. That's cool, dude. I really like that. Gotcha. That's a lot of fun. Thanks. So, what got you into writing? Oh, dude, what made I, you be, I just what made you want to be a a fiction author dude oh gosh that's you're gonna get my whole story um well i discovered i loved writing when i was like nine years old it was like a perfect storm of like a lot of different things happening around the same time that just really kind of like jump-started my love of writing um i don't know if you grew up in utah but um like at most public schools in utah around halloween time like elementary school kids are assigned to do like a creative writing assignment. I don't know if they still do this, mm. but this is what it was like 20 years ago. Like when I was yeah. still a kid, but it's like, you were expected to write like a Halloween story, like a, like a, you know, a short, like one or two page story. That's like spooky yeah. or whatever. And um, <laughs> it was about, it was about like fourth grade where I had this idea for like a story with like me and my friends go to a haunted house and like beat up a bunch of monsters and leave. And, we, <laughs> and I thought it was like so cool. Um, and I was really amped to write this story and I, I did it. And, um, I remember having like a parent teacher conference with my fourth grade teacher, Mr. Keeler, and he sat down with my parents and was like, you know, you're, you know, your kid's really good at writing, right? Like he wrote this story and he's got like action and humor. It's like got all the ingredients here. It's really good. Um, I don't know. I think that kind of like, I, I took that and kind of like nurtured it and harbored it with me. So like the next year yeah. in the fifth grade when, um, we had to do another writing assignment. I remember like Mrs. Chipman was like, okay, it has to be two pages and everyone's groaning like, ah, oh. and I had this idea uh, that was pretty similar from the previous year and it ended up being 14 pages as this like 
this like fifth grader, this like 10 year old kid, you know? Um, <laughs> so that's where the love of writing started. Um, and on top of that, I was like playing games like Zelda and Skies of Arcadia that just kind of like really jump started my creative, my creative juices and uh, just kind of got me interested in like, how can I write a story that takes place in a world and that people can connect with and get excited about? Like, this is awesome. I want to do this kind of stuff. Um, so as I was growing up, like I, you know, I'd write stories for my friends and I'd write poetry and songs. And I started writing yeah. my first book for named when I was 15, but, uh, didn't get published till I was 22. So, oh wow, um, yeah, that's kind of where it started. It was just, you know, that was the spark when I was like a little kid, but it just kind of like continued to blossom, um, yeah. as I got older until I got more serious about, no, I want to write novels. I want to write books. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm having a little bit of camera problems, but that's okay. We'll keep rolling, dude. Um, so right. what, what was the, uh, what was everything that was going on from 15 to, to 22? Um, yeah, the, I mean, it was, so here, here was the idea. This is how like foreordained was born before ordained is the name yeah. of my, my first book. It's a young adult fantasy novel about, um, a kid who's foreordained by a dragon God to be the next King of the kingdom that's fallen apart under the rule of a tyrant. And the book follows the year in his life where he's being tested for the throne. He's like got this internal mm -hmm. struggle of whether or not he wants to rise up to that responsibility. But what are the consequences if he doesn't, you know, yeah. um, it, it started um, in a seminary class. We, like our uh, my <laughs> seminary teacher showed us this video that was like, I think it was from like this. I don't know what story it was from, but it's like <laughs> a group of bandits kidnapped a prince and took him away and like tried to like kind of like destroy him morally, like feed him all these like you know, uh, like the desires of the flesh, like women and like food and gluttony. And just, he was like, not having it. Okay. Yeah, and they yeah, were yeah, like, yeah. dude, we've given you all these pleasures. Like, why won't you partake? And he's like, because one day I'm meant to be King. And to me, I was like, huh, what if there was like a story where like, you could only have this like supreme executive power based <laughs> on your moral cleanliness, like based on your, the goodness of your character. I was like, that would be so cool. You know, I'm going to write that. I'm going to do that. Yeah, so like, yeah. that's what, that's where foreordained just came from, where it was a, you know, this sacred dragon, like foreordained special pure spirits to rule as Kings or Queens, like, um, when they're born on earth, like I just, it's, it just grew from there. Yeah, dude, that, so creative writing and like writing fiction has always been bizarre to me because I just don't have that brain. But I can I can definitely appreciate like the creative process, though. That's my thing is like mm. I, I know I know how hard it is to like get get in that creative space and like come up with something that people just like eat up. And yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I respect that a lot. And because the idea behind it is like there's so many things that you could that, that are going on. And, you know, from the fiction authors I've interviewed in the past, it's like. Uh, one of my biggest questions, cause this blows my mind is like, how do you keep the story straight? You know what I'm saying? Oh, dude, that, That's a constant <laughs> struggle. I mean, every writer's different. Um, Brandon Sanderson has a really great series of lectures that he does at BYU. Um, he, all the videos are up on YouTube for like a whole semester. So you can okay. watch it and learn from him. They're fantastic. But he, he makes the distinction between discovery writers and outliners, you know, discovery writers are like your Neil Gaiman's your, your Stephen King who kind of like, write the story as they go and it kind of develops um as they go along and outliners yeah. are more like you know your jrr tolkien's your uh, your um, yeah got cards 
who like they prepare everything like they they know exactly what's going to happen in this story before they even like get writing chapter one um yeah i'm i'm somewhere in the middle like i like to write a solid outline before i get going on another book um i'll take time and just brainstorm like what what the characters are in the book like um what their motives are what their needs are what their insecurities like their fears like the things that motivate them and then like try to kind of concoct this plot where like they complete their arcs by the end um and um you have all those like ups and downs of emotions like throughout the story however mm -hmm. the the outline isn't like a set in stone thing like more often than not i find that like the book is pretty different by the time i get to the end because sometimes you're yeah. going along and you do have those discovery moments where it's like it feels better to have this happen to the character or have this happen this makes more sense um and as long as you have that like nice layer of tension kind of sprinkled on um in every scene you're going to continue to keep the reader's interest so that that it's that's how i kind of prepare for it like i make that outline um and then i as i go along i kind of feel it out and try to see like what is going to feel best for the story what's going to grip the reader better yeah man that and see that blows my mind because for me it's like dude i that that would just i would get too far down the rabbit hole on one thing you know what i'm saying and it would just be like it would be it would be bananas for me but what was it like for you to be a published author what was the publication like for you well i'm self-published so it's like okay. i didn't have to okay. go through the process of like getting an agent and like um or finding a publisher yeah yeah i mean that's definitely on the table uh, um i'm not opposed to like um pursuing like getting an agent and dealing with the yeah. major publishers uh, down the road um, but around the time where I was considering getting forward and published, um, someone told me about self-publishing and I kind of looked into it and it just felt like the right decision. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I still hold to it. I actually wrote a blog post on why I, uh, why I chose self-publishing over traditional publishing. Um, and it's mostly because of where I'm at in my author's journey right now, because I'm still pretty new. Um, I've only published a few books. We are brought to you by Legal Inc. Estate Planning. Listen, you wouldn't dine and dash, so why would you leave your family in the hands of the courts and the government when you pass away? Most people think they don't have enough to start estate planning or that it's too expensive. Things like wills and a trust. While those are valid reasons, they're limiting beliefs, guys, to creating and keeping the wealth that you want to have. Listen, it's free to talk to Michael to learn more about what you can do today to protect your tomorrow and live your best life. Wills are necessary, especially if you have a home and kids. And a trust is the number one way to build and retain your wealth. So it's your life. It's your story. Make it a good one. Visit LegalLifePlan.com to schedule your first conversation with Michael and tell him that the Thinking Project sent you. It'll be the best decision you've ever made. Um, and like most of the time, traditional publishers, even if you do go the route, like get an agent and, you know, yeah. all, all the check boxes are like done, like, First time authors, they kind of like take your first book and they kick it out there, you know, print 20,000 copies and send it to a bunch of Barnes Nobles and yeah. if it picks up, cool, but they're not really going to do much of anything to market for you. Um, and meanwhile, you're like, you, all you're getting paid is your advance until like all your books sell and then they print more and you can make royalties based off of that. And, I, and as I was looking at the situation, I figured, you know, when I'm self-publishing through Amazon, I get 25% from my paperbacks, 70% from my eBooks. And I have to do all the marketing myself anyway. So why would I go traditionally published? In addition, like I maintain all the rights and I have complete creative control over every aspect of the production. Yeah. Is that the case? Like if you go through a, a publisher, you you forfeit the creative rights to the book? 
Some parts. I mean, you'll have an editor who hits you up and says, hey, I think you should like make this change. You should do this revision. However, like it is ultimately up to you on whether or not you want to accept those changes. Um, but when it sure. comes to like formatting, cover design, like it, that's up to them. You know, like there, there are aspects of this production that you will not have control over. Um, oh, that's interesting. So you, so like cover designs, mm-hmm. they, they, they pick cover designs and they pick like, what goes on, like if there's like a, a flap, like a short synopsis in like the flap or something like that, they, they yeah. have like, they just do the whole cover. Yeah. I mean, like they do the cover design for you. They do the formatting. I mean, they take your manuscript, either your manuscript, like the book that you yeah. wrote and then yeah. they'll, you know, they have like an editor that will like work with you on making revisions. And then when it's ready, um, pardon me, like then they do the formatting and they do the cover design and they do marketing maybe um but that's sure. like that that kind of stuff is a little out of your hands as far as i know maybe it's different from publisher to publisher but yeah in, yeah yeah maybe. in my research and some of the people that i know in the publishing industry they say yeah for first time published <laughs> authors it's it's tough it's really hard you're yeah. probably not gonna make a lot of money at all if you go like the published route yeah like traditionally published yeah 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 that's interesting i mean the reason that I was able to interview some of the authors that I did when I did was actually because a publisher reached out to me. Uh, uh, they had written a few books that I was like, they, they had written a few books that I was interested in. Um, and you know that, uh, and like, I'm not a huge fiction reader, but a couple of these books caught my eye and, mm-hmm. and, but really like the whole point of like my podcast and the reason I have like authors on and creatives on, like I've had YouTubers and stuff is like, I like the creative process because I know like, I didn't want this to be like only like an entrepreneurial podcast, like, like a business per se, because here's what I think. I think that business owners, um, like come in authors, come in YouTubers, like it's so different now to like have a business, you know, that, that if you don't have like this traditional, like 2021 e-commerce thing, uh, you can, you can feel kind of left out but the basics of like these businesses are like, like can be applied anywhere, whether you're an, whether you're like a a fiction author, a nonfiction author, a YouTuber blogger, whatever. Right. Like there are some fundamentals that everybody gets. And uh, so I ran into a publisher and I was like, and I was like, Hey, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of your guys. They're like, would you like to do it? And, uh, and, and I was like, sure. And, and the, and like I said, it, it was like a really cool thing to see like a lot of these people come in during like quarantine. Now you wrote your first book, like you published your first book when you were 22 is you said? Yeah. I was pretty young. That's cool. I mean, I, yeah, that that's great. I mean, I don't feel like that's, I don't feel like that's young. I feel like that's a great time (laughs) to start. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a great time to start. The sooner the better, you know, like whenever you're trying to master any kind of craft, like the sooner you can dive in and really apply yourself. Like, the faster you're going to get really good. Um, yeah. And I want to write fiction full time in the next 10 years. I mean, right now I still have a day job where I work sure. uh, in marketing during the day, but every day sure. I come home and try to work on my book for, you know, 708, like a thousand words, try to get those cranked in and read whatever, you know, sometimes you're on a yeah. podcast. So yeah. you know, I do something every day where I'm working on the craft and trying to push myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How do you get, how do you, um, besides like writing your books, how do you perfect like your writing skills? Dude, it's just, it's just practice. I mean, I yeah, write. You, I mean, you mentioned a blog, so you have a yeah. blog. 
Yeah, okay. I do have a blog. Um, I tried to write in it weekly, but for the last like few weeks, I've been slacking. So, I mean, that's sure. you guys are gonna have to it. forgive me there. But um, yeah, it's just it's just consistent effort, honestly. Like I, I try to read from something every day. Like I've got like a big yeah, man. line of books I've got on Goodreads, and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm gonna read. Like I got my I got my stack of books I'm working on right now right here on my nightstand. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I got like seven habits of highly effective people, how to market a book by Joanna Penn, reading this like classic book on mythology and uh, Dr. Oh, that's Jekyll great, and Mr. Hyde. Dude. Yeah, dude, I mean like, so I'm trying to learn from people who are much better at this than I am um, and continue yeah, to like, yeah, yeah, apply yeah. what I can find from them. But yeah, yeah I mean, journaling every Sunday, um, it's just consistent effort. Like even if I only yeah. write like a paragraph one day and I'm just, it's, it's a struggle. Like it's just that consistent effort. You have to like hit it often. <laughs> yeah, dude. And that's like the, the, the thing that I want people to see is even when you're in like this business mindset, when you have this business mindset, it doesn't matter if you're writing a book or, or you're being creative or you're actually, you know, running some kind of e-commerce, you know, business or whatever. Right. Like the, the same things apply consistency, mm getting better, learning from other people. I mean, studying, like, I I feel like there's a difference between, and maybe there's not for some people, but like when I, when I'm like honing in on my craft, like when I'm like learning about my YouTube, like trying to get better at my YouTube game, trying to get better at at my podcast game. Like there's a difference between me, like listening for fun and like studying something, you know what I mean? Turning on a podcast and studying like how they ask questions and how they trans transition conversations. You know what I'm saying? And so I like though that you mentioned that you read to, to write better because I actually experienced that once when I was in college, I I read a really good book. Uh, It was like, it was a biography and we had a paper due, you know, I was reading that biography for fun and it really did change how I wrote it. And and it made my writing better because I was like, I like this guy. I'm going to try to do the same things just for fun. It's very low uh, stake, you know, uh, you know, low stake transaction. I was just turning in a paper that yeah. didn't really matter. The, the, the content mattered more than the, de- the delivery, but it was still really cool to experience that. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure like, yeah, as you continue to like study, like, you know, other YouTubers and people who are doing podcasts, yeah, there's, like yeah, that, there's like that thing in the back of your brain where like you're enjoying it, you know, like there's entertainment <laughs> value. It's something that you like. But there's also yeah. that thing in the back of your brain where you're you're picking it apart, you're studying it, you're figuring yeah. out what works, what doesn't. Like, dude, whenever I'm engaged with any kind of story, if, if it's in a movie or a book or a video game, like I'm like, okay, what works here, what doesn't, and why? Like, it just like yeah, it's always yeah. going on in the back of my brain, and I'm always like picking it apart. And uh, yeah, dude, sometimes you learn some awesome things while you're just kind of enjoying yourself. Yeah, I mean, and the and especially like when you're dealing with stories, and mm. I feel like storytelling is probably one of the biggest lost arts that we have. Yeah. It's like, how do you tell a good story? Like yeah. a captivating story that can bring out like all the emotions It can make you laugh. It can make you cry. It can make you be serious. And then there can be some levity in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's a, that's an art. Yeah. That's not for the faint of heart for sure. Yeah. And like speaking as a marketing professional for a second, instead of an author, yeah. it's like, you know, we can, we can apply business principles into writing and storytelling, but honestly, it's super beneficial to you, your company, like your, your grind, whatever it is to apply storytelling principles into your business. Um, I mean, Donald Miller wrote this awesome book um, called uh, building a story brand, which is yeah. about like 
applying the principles of storytelling to your customers, to their customer experience. And as they work with your product or your service or whatever it is, like treat them as the hero, you know, make things easy for them, um, put them through this journey um, and lead them to success and show them the consequences for failure. Um, and that will make you more effective at marketing and kind of like building your brand. And I, yeah. think, I think with the advent of YouTube and social media, I think businesses are waking up to the sense of the humanity that they have to have in their products and their services and who they are as a company. Um, we want that connection. We want that, that story. We want to feel like we're a part of something. Um, so you're right. Like storytelling is an art. And I, I think people are becoming wise to how they can use that in business. Um, but if you can get it down, dude, if people can latch onto you as a, as a story, as a business, as a, yeah. um, as, as who you are, like you're, you've got it made, you're in great shape. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I think it's some of like the best storytellers that I can think of, you know, one of my, like, I, I also love comedy. Like, uh, mm. uh, I've done a few, I've done two open mics. Um, oh, heck yeah. but I, but I, yeah, but it's, it's a lot of fun. But one of the things I like about comedy is like it's kind of transitioned from like these punchlines to like stories and you can get more laughs out of a story you know what i mean like if you can like one of my favorite bits is from joey diaz probably not the cleanest comedian i could listen to but (laughs) but there's one bit that he has that's like the story he tells the story and it dude it it gives you everything like you Mm -hmm. laugh and and like there's a point when he gets kind of serious and and it like you know he, he he kind of tears up and you're like Holy crap. I didn't know in 15 minutes that I was coming to a comedy show in like 15 minutes, I was going to laugh really hard. I was, my eyes were going to water cause he was telling a serious story. I was going to laugh some more. I was, you know what I mean? It was just like this whole crazy thing. And I'm like, that's the power of storytelling, like all that emotion that goes into this. And for you as a writer, like how do you portray that emotion in your writing? Oh dude, that's the game. That's, that's the constant struggle. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's what I've been, yeah. uh, that's what I've been working really hard on, on this fourth book that I've been writing awakened. It's the, uh, it's the third book in the Webley and Chronicle series, you know, cause Fordine came out when I was 22 Purged came out two months ago. Um, they're on Amazon for anyone who's listening, go buy them. <laughs> yeah. All your friends. Hey, we'll, um, we'll, we'll put those in the description, bro, for sure. Hey, thanks pal. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, but this third book is really testing me because it's like the culmination of this trilogy. I wanted to hit all the emotional buttons just right. And for it to like build up over the course of like these two previous books. And to this point, there's a lot of, there's a lot of grief. There's a lot of, um, yeah. Introspection about life and about death and about your place in it and about how everything is <laughs> going to be okay. And it's very poignant. And I mean, a lot of the time you just have to feel it out. It's just like, does mm-hmm. this feel real to me? Does this feel sincere? There's no like formula to it. It's just, as you go, you have to continue to reevaluate like what you've done and say, is this working? And do I need to change it? Do I need to move it? Do I need to, um, adjust how, what this character see or whatever, but it's, it's not something that is formulaic. You have to feel it out. You have to be real about it and you have to want so badly to give your audience that feeling, that experience. Like it has to feel sincere and you have to want it. Yeah, I like what you said there because it's a major point when you're dealing in business. And again, this just reinforces the point why I bring on like creatives and, and anybody who who wants to really. Um, because 
you, you hit the nail on the head. Like people can feel when someone's not being sincere. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like they can, you, they can tell for whatever reason, I'm sure I'm missing some kind of term or, or study or something, but like, you know, when someone's not being real and you, whether you're reading it or you're listening to it, or you're having like a face-to-face conversation, I really feel like it doesn't matter what medium you're using. You can tell when someone is not being genuine and it's, and for, and for someone to, and for a piece of content written uh, audio or visual, whatever you need, whatever you're doing, like people have to feel that people have to feel that you're being real. People have to feel that you're being genuine. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause yeah. like people can smell it when you're being disingenuous yeah. and like that, <laughs> they can that smell just it. makes it I say even smell worse. It. I say smell all <laughs> yeah, the time like, for real. I, yeah. I'm in sales. So I call it commission breath. Like people can smell it. Oh yeah. People can Dude, smell your commission that. That's breath. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Tough, man. That's that's a challenging gig. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I I live by the rule that you. Um, I read a book called "The Subtle Art" by Mark Manson, and the first mm. chapter in that book is called "Don't Try," and that's how mm. I live my sales life by. Like the the less you push, the more you get. I I feel like, and not and not put. I say push. Maybe that's not the right word because I do feel like in sales you have to have like a velvet hammer. You got to be able you got to be mm-hmm. able to 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 push when you need to and back off when when yeah. you know it's time. You know what I mean? Take take as many swings as you feel like you should and then like eventually if you if you don't get it you don't get it but but you got to take enough swings, right? To make it to to at For least sure. try. But but I also feel like the the less commission breath you have, the less desperate you sell the better chances you are of getting this, this whatever deal or, or hitting whatever goals. And I feel like that's a big part of life. Like when you, you can try too hard, you, you can force something and that's not cool. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. It's that sincerity is that humanity. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like as a, as a writer, yeah. as a storyteller, it's like, you know, that's the product I want to sell. Like stories, I feel like are the extent, like, the essence of sharing humanity with each other. Yeah. It allows us to feel in an environment that like is safe, you know, where you can like mm-hmm. feel a spectrum of emotions. You can, um, you know, go somewhere you've never been before, like in a place that is safe, you know, and it's, uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to give those experiences to people. And I mean, we, we all sell different products that we like feel strongly about, um, that we feel like mm-hmm. help people. And when you have that sincerity, like back behind it, where it's like, no, I'm doing this because like, you know, like feeding your family is great. It's a necessity, but also <laughs> like having, having, believing in what you're selling and that it does like improve the lives of others. Like you're already like light years ahead of those who are just commission breath. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think when you see the hardest part about like um, sales while we're just on the topic is this idea that, um, you know, is it, is it about the product knowledge or is it about, or is it about the network? And I, you know, it's really hard. It's probably like a 51 49 kind of split thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, where they're both so close. But when you focus on like the network and when you focus on the people, uh, the product now, I mean, you got to have enough. Right. Like Amy Cuddy wrote a book. So I, I like to read, by the way, side tangent. I love reading. I just know. Please, by all means. Yeah. But fiction is not my favorite. Like mm-hmm. I'm just I, it's. Uh, our flavors. It's cool. Yeah. 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 yeah, Dude. It's (laughs) like, it's like, I get it. But, but like I said at the beginning, I'll always say this. I respect the craft. 
Like I, I have enough reverence for the art that I'm like, dude, I, I know how beautiful these things can be when they're done. But I, but I love nonfiction books. I love, I love, um, you know, these, these studies and Amy Cuddy wrote a book called presence and it talks about how people are judged off of, um, two things, you know, competence and warmth, like, do they care and do they know? And they, they judge people on, do they care more, but also you can't, it can't be lopsided. Like it can't be, they, I know, I know that they care a lot about me, but they don't know anything like that's a, that's a red flag. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. but the network means more, the network means more in business and in selling than, than product knowledge does, you know what I'm saying? Although again, you know, I, my favorite phrase to, to kind of sum that up is like, um, it's not, it's not what, you know, it's who, you know, that gets you the job, but it's mm-hmm. what, you know, that keeps the job. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Um, you know what I, I work at a place called bite right now. Um, just to like, to speak to oh, you. Oh yeah. Bite. That's the, uh, that's the it's like teeth braces? lining. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Invisalign or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay. um, so to speak to your point about like your network yeah. and like, you know, your confidence, um, the way I got a job, you'll think this is actually a really funny story is, uh, it was the pandemic last year. Like I had gotten let go from my previous job because they did a mass reduction because of the pandemic. Um, yeah. so I took some time to finish writing like the first draft of purge and like, you know, get that situated. And then finally I was like, okay, I got to start looking for a job. <laughs> um, so I started like applying to all these copywriting gigs, like around Utah County area, because like, yo, I'm a writer. Like I feel pretty strong about my writing. I can, I can write for a living. Try me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I applied to all these different places and like, I had some interviews or just like fine, but I wasn't like feeling good about any place. And then I got this, like one of those rejection emails from a company that's like, thank you for applying for this position. However, yeah, company. yeah. But um, this email that I got from this company was like riddled with copy mistakes. It was like, <laughs> oh, are you serious? Like, this is the stuff I would be fixing <laughs> if I was working for you guys. So I took a screenshot of the email and I like circled the mistakes and it posted it on social media. I like blocked out the company name. So I didn't, I didn't like call them out directly. Yeah, yeah, posted, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. like it. I posted it on LinkedIn and um, dude, like that post like low-key blew up. It was sort of getting like thousands and thousands of hits and people were like hitting me up in the DMs about like contract work. Like, are you open to this and this? But the first person who commented on wow. that post was a guy named Paul Adams from Byte who said, DM me. That's all he said. Like DM me with a little <laughs> winky emoji. And uh, Paul and I, Paul and I had worked together at a place called Best Company like years ago. So I already like knew him, but like I didn't work directly with him, but I, I like knew him sure. from the company. But uh, we had a phone, we had a, I DM'd him, we had a phone call and he was like, look, like I got this company bite going right now. I'm building a marketing team. I think you got the right DNA. I remember from you, remember you back from Best Company, like you ask good questions, you're smart, like come work for me. And I was like, well, can I come in for an interview or something? Like just make it a little bit more formal. And he's like, yeah, let's do that. So I come in the next day for an interview. <laughs> he gives me like a job offer like the following day. So it really is like who you know, your network, like it makes all the difference in the world. Um, yeah. yeah, but since then, I mean, I've been there for almost a year now and uh, it's been a really good ride. I really like it there. I've grown a ton. And, uh, but dude, I got to continue to push myself and to continue to like learn and like make myself competent with, you know, yeah. what I've already learned in marketing and my public relations education, but also taking what I'm learning there from other professionals um, who are more experienced than me and uh, running with it. You know, it's yeah. uh, 
network gets you there, but the confidence is what keeps you there. <laughs> yeah, well, as it should, right? For sure. That's a really cool story though. LinkedIn is powerful, dude. It's one of, yeah. it's, I think it's pretty slept on. I, I need to do better yeah. at it, but uh, it's I, I one do, of those. Go ahead. No, I was just, I'm sorry. I was, uh, I was going to say, I do, get, I do get tired of the posts sometimes where it's like, <laughs> you know, like East coast, like, like wall street bro is like, you got to wake up at 5am. That's <laughs> yeah. the key to success. Like everybody Dude. has like, this is what you have to do to be successful. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That makes me mad. Yeah. yeah. It's, there's the, so much and it's funny, but the, that those make me mad. The fake finance gurus make me mad. And the mm. fake HR people make me mad. There's mm. a lot of like really good people on there. Um, like HR finance and, and, and like, you know, oh, and yeah, for sure. genuinely successful people. Like there's a lot of good on there. But when I, when I, when I scroll through those or the worst is like when there's like a, a post that was obviously like fake, like it wasn't a real post and it gets shared like 40 times and people try to like put it on their own thing. And I'm just like, guys, did you not like, you not, did you not get the memo, man? Like, that's not a real post, dude. Like yeah, it's yeah. so like, so, but the cool part is, is you can do like that, those kinds of things on, on LinkedIn. It's a very organic way to show off your skills. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very, it's very good. It's very good. I think LinkedIn is probably, and, and if I remember correctly in marketing, right, it's still one of the only places you can grow organically. I mean, for the most part, we don't, we don't do a lot of like LinkedIn marketing at Byte. So I'm not super familiar with that. Sure. But, um, I mean, like it's, it has proven to be a pretty useful platform to just like network with people similar to me. And, yeah. um, you know, like, I mean, when I, when I made that post on LinkedIn and I ended up getting hired at Byte, and like, I made a post about my story and how I got there and it, it went a little viral. It got like uh, 3,500 reactions and like 200,000 yeah. impressions. Yeah. So like yeah. people actually ended up joining Byte because they saw that they were like, Oh, I saw that like post on LinkedIn. And like, uh -huh. I, I came and applied and here I am. Then they swing by my <laughs> desk and be like, well, you're the guy. Yeah, that's me. Um, Bro, so that's it's cool. Funny how that happens, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's great. I wasn't Dude, trying to do that. I was just like sharing my story, you know, it just yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that we were talking about that earlier. Like you're, you're just being, this is it, right? Fine. I'm going to take a leap. I'm going to be me. And, we, and that's, I think, why people struggle so much with like this social media game is because they try to be somebody that they're not, or they, or they think they're better than that, what they are, which is like, I, I'm, and I don't say that to be mean. Right. But like, you got to know who you are. Right. And you got to just start like, like, you know what I mean? And, and so when you make a genuine post and you just have fun and you just be you like, that's it. Right. That that's the, yeah. that's the end of the story. And yeah, then and it's easier for you because when you're, when you're trying so hard to like keep up this like brand, this image, like all the time, that's yeah, not really who yeah, you are. Yeah. It's exhausting. It wears you down. <laughs> it really does, man. Mm -hmm. It really does. It's bizarre. It's the way that people try to force these things. And like, okay, guys, we're also brought to you by Happiest. Happiest is your number one place to go for premium CBD products that won't break the bank. And I promise you guys that if you check these out, you won't be disappointed. They've got something for everybody. It's THC free which means it comes with a work safe guarantee. Whether you need a roll on for your muscles and your joints, you need a sleep aid to get your day ending right, or you need uh, their number two that gets your day started right. Uh, they got something for everybody. They're quality, uh, lab tested, third party tested. It's all good. Go check them out. Happiestmed.com, H-E-P-I-U-S-M-E-D.com. 
and tell them that the thinking project sent you. And one of the other reasons I started this show was because to show people like sometimes you think you want things, you know, that, that you really don't, that if you had it, you realize you would realize quickly that you don't really want it. And I think one of those things is being like a quote unquote, like whatever that means influencer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, just have fun, just post your stuff, just have fun, just mm. like be you. And if it blows up sweet, if it doesn't like even better, in my opinion, like, yeah. <laughs> even yeah. better, dude. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're trying to become an established author, if it blows up and heck yeah, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, it's, it's your, but even then, right. Like, and, and even then you're, you're posting stuff that you, you is authentically you. Yeah. Like you just, I, I don't know. I, and that, and the other reason I hate saying that is because it's also turned into like this cliche thing that I think got blown out of proportion. Mm. It's really strange. It's like, it's very true, but it's almost one of those things that you don't want to say because you don't want to sound like everybody else. Yeah. You know yeah. Be true to yourself. <laughs> You're yeah. like, I, I get it. Yeah, I, get it. <laughs> I, I heard it all the time in junior high. Like I, I remember. Yeah. Oh, dude. That's so funny. Yeah. You mentioned uh, being born in Utah. I, I am not from Utah. I am from Iowa. Oh, where are you from? Yeah. Oh, Iowa. Dang, what brought you out here, man? That's like, yeah. that's, that's so <laughs> just. <laughs> Iowa, yeah, man. My my wife brought me out here. Um, uh, that's always, that's parents, always how it is. <laughs> right. Her parents lived here and, and she was out here by the, you know, by the time, you know, we crossed paths again. And I was like, well, you know, I've never been to Utah and uh, it was different for me. So I was like, shoot. Let's give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, I'm in a new spot and I can be, you know, but it ended up working out and, and now we're here, dude. It, 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 so it's great, man. It's absolutely wonderful. You don't miss all the, you don't miss all the corn. I do though, dude. I was different though. Listen, I was, uh, Utah is very like, these big cities are very fast paced, but I'm, I'm a big city dude. You know, I lived, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I've lived in Salt Lake. Um, I've lived in Portland, which is like a small, big city. You know, okay. but I, and I, I love Chicago. I love St. Louis. Like that, those are my, those are really fun, but there is something special about like being in the Midwest where everything is like slow. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's almost like going to some of those small towns in the Midwest or, or is like going back in time. Hmm. It's very strange. That's really cool. I mean, like I shouldn't joke. I've never been to the Midwest. I mean, the closest should, but, been to Iowa. <laughs> but joke because it's okay. If you can't make fun of things, what are we doing here? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. You got to be able, you got to be able to like I, give and take joke. a joke. Occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, joke, dude, but yeah the closest I've ever been to Iowa is uh, Tennessee. I've been to Memphis and I've been to Nashville. Oh, sure. Love both places. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, maybe one day I'll venture out to the Midwest. Even, I'll go check even, it out and see what it's all about. Yeah. But even in this, like even in Tennessee, like, and, and, and other parts, like if you go to the South or, some of these smaller towns on like the East coast or even like uh, the West coast, like, like port, like uh, Oregon has a lot of these coastal, mm -hmm. small, small coastal towns. That's like going into a, like the, uh, an old time movie, like you going back to a book, it's very slow. Like, you know, if you're not going 80 on I-15 here, like people are passing you and they're honking yeah. at you. You know, mm -hmm. uh, but when you go back to like the Midwest or, or some parts of Tennessee, like some of the smaller places in Tennessee, like the speed limits, 35, like 60 on the, on the highway. And, and it's like, you know, it's a, it's a two lane highway, maybe a four lane highway. 
you know, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's, there's something peaceful. I, there's something peaceful about the Midwest. Although, like I said, though, there's pros and cons because the con is you're going back in time. <laughs> and like, uh-huh. and like yeah. you, bro, I, in my hometown, there's still like uh family videos, like places where you can go on the weekend and rent video games and video and movies. What? Oh my gosh, that's so dope. I, there's actually a, I watched this documentary on Netflix called The Last Blockbuster. That was yeah, about that's up in Oregon. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it just amazes me. It's like, that's so cool. But like, <laughs> how? Like, how do you, yeah, you got to yeah. have like a community behind you as an establishment, you know, to keep you in business. That's like exactly that. right. Like, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's cool. But, though. But, I like but that. Yeah. But I mean, and, and there's, they still live by this thing that like on Friday night, you go to you go to the family video and you'll see your friends and you'll you'll buy a gumball and if you get the right color you'll get a free movie and or like a free uh-huh. snack or like you see all your homies there and renting video yeah. games dude yeah man it's it's but like yeah I, why would you ever do that I just bought a I just bought an Amazon Fire Stick for thirty dollars yes on, <laughs> on you know that'll be here that'll be here tomorrow that you can watch any movie you've ever dreamed of. I think it goes back to the connection thing though. Cause it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's like what you said, it's that Friday night experience where you're like, you're seeing your oh. homies, like everyone's there. Like it's a social experience and yeah. with your fire stick, it's like super convenient. I have a fire stick too. I love it. Don't <laughs> yeah. be honest. Like it's great. Um, yeah. But like, you don't get that personal connection. There's no right. one at Amazon HQ saying like, Dalton Friday night. How you doing, man? Like what's good? What do you want to watch? Yeah. 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 I mean, like I see both ends, dude. I, I see both sides and, and, uh, and it's, and it's cool. And those are, but those are the kinds of things like I, you know, whenever I go to like the, the Oregon coast or I go back to the Midwest, um, it feels like I'm in a book. It feels like I'm in one of these cool books that you're just like, that these small towns are just there. There's a story to it all. And someone, someone's writing about this, this experience in, in a, you know, those are, those are fun books for me because those are the ones, if I read a fiction book, that's something that I would read because yeah. like, I like I can see that in my head and it's very nostalgic and funny enough, like nostalgia just means pain. And uh, mm-hmm. it is, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's I've never been that before. That's poetic, dude. Nostalgia means pain. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, I mean like literally though, like it, it's like painful. It's like sorrow. It's like mm-hmm. a yearning for something that you can't have anymore. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's that's good stuff, man. Like I don't know, maybe you could write fiction. Maybe you could like uh, take a stab at that and see how you how you do. You know what? If if I ever if I ever did, I probably won't. I'll leave that to the professionals. But I've I've thought about it sometimes, and I would like to tell the story of someone who like lived, or like I would like to tell the story of and and expound on someone who who's like been alive or like write a biography or something. I think that'd be pretty cool. So write just, a biography about someone who's like lived and done stuff. Yeah. 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 Like, like, a and, and make like a really cool story about that and bring out something like that. That'd be fun for me. Yeah. I'm oh, wait, I'm cool. wait, I mean, like I'm waiting to read I, a I biography. About, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I keep interrupting you. I'm so sorry. Oh, I like, no, I, zoom is zoom is tough. Zoom interviews. are tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's lagging a little bit too. I feel like it's lagged a little bit more like as the call has gone on. So like, I like you're hearing what I am saying like three seconds later. I don't know. But um, yeah, I feel like your opportunity there to write a book is like, like your parents or your grandparents, honestly, mm. like usually they've got some cool stories. And if you can like 
sit down and talk to them and like record what they say, like you can go back and like write it later. Like there's, there's your chance, man. Like there, there's your book. For sure. For sure. Something like that would, some, something like that would be, would be fantastic. But, uh, but yeah, that's great, man. So you got, so how many books are in this, in your series? Um, right now there's two that are published. I'm working on the third. Um, I did break off and do a completely different story um, that I published a couple years ago called My Name is Hammerfist. It's a superhero satire that's kind of like the marriage <laughs> between Scott Pilgrim versus the world and Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like this like quirky, self-aware. It's about a kid named Herman who gets in a freak accident and loses his hand, but gets superpowers. And the eccentric rich doctor is like, yo, you should fight crime. And Herman's like, no way. And he's like, how about I pay you 500 bucks a night so you can pay rent? And you can stick this hammer on your stump wrist and fight crime with it. And Herman's like, I get, okay, I'll try it for a little bit. I'll see how I feel. And uh, crazy things happen. He makes friends. There's a lot of like betrayal and action and adventure. And dude, it's, that's actually my highest rated book on Amazon, actually. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. All right. It's a lot of fun. It was a fun, it was a fun story to write, dude. Okay. Deal, man. Well, let's, uh, I mean, I, I really appreciate you doing this interview with me. Um, really appreciate your time. So tell us like where we can find your books and how people can follow you and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So the best place to start is AaronNHall.com. I mean, I've got my okay. website, everything is right there that you need. Uh, I write in my blog regularly about like pop culture. Um, sometimes I do like movie reviews, just like stuff that I think is worth talking about. Um, okay, cool. but it's also I've got like freebies attached to my books um, and all my links are uh, all my books are linked to Amazon from my website. And uh, you'll have the opportunity to go on there and like read the blurb, see if it sounds like something you're interested in, but then it'll take you right to Amazon. You can snatch up whatever looks good to you. And I mean, I'm biased, but they're awesome books. (laughs) Like if I didn't write them, I would read them and I would love them. So you guys are just going to, you're going to love what you find. All right, deal, man. Well, Hey, I really appreciate it, dude. Thank you so much. Hey, this was so much fun. Thanks for having me on, dude. Absolutely.